Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Hey, you at home, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. What kind of stupid show is this? Ugh, this is stupid. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. We are two wild and crazy guys. This is not that kind of show. There is nothing more entertaining. Oh, oh, that radio show. You ready to do this? I'm ready. Showtime. Everything's running smoothly. Right, Shia, it's your KC Moho Show, baby, today, where you been, girl, what's the word, girl? What is up, my dude? You've just been really moving and shaking, you've been going places, really finding yourself in this new normal, whatever that means. Finding myself? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Finding yourself out and about. Found myself three hours deep into The Sims last night. Got a new uh, pack. Yeah. I did. I bought a bundle. How's that going for you? Pretty big day? Well, I only played it last night. Well, still. Still. First impression? Yes, I did. I did already create a new storyline to continue on. We're moving generations. Yes. Moving generations? Oh, wow. I've got, I have legacies going on. Do yeah. I have a statue built for me yet? What would my You job? haven't died yet. Well, thank you for that. What's yeah. my uh, What's my job? Hartzell is an actor. He's retired now, and so is Kitty. I'm an actor. I'm actually playing our grandchild and our great-grandchild. Are they assholes? Yeah. Ah, no! Other than that, snow day. Yeah, we did take the day. I thought about waking up and doing a thing, but I'll just be honest. We we are purists on this show, and we, we take snow days very seriously. We recognize them. We celebrate. I'll be honest. I hate winter, but I love snow days. Watched Book of Boba Fett on a snow day. That was so much Star Wars. That I was exhausting. Beautiful. And, you know, today is the last day of And Just Like That. It's the last oh. episode. I'm not sure if it's been renewed yet. I'm nervous to even type it in because I don't want to get any spoilies. And Just Like That. And Just Like That. It was over. I was hooked. So, Kitty, on the show today, we got Ron the Show Hughley. He is formerly of 610 Sports Radio here in Kansas City. Show and Burn, one of my favorite shows. They really had a good thing over there with that show. And the fact that they botched it still makes me mad, but that's a whole different conversation. But Ron will be on the show. He is going to be talking about the Brian Flores news. Black coach, formerly of the Miami Dolphins. He is suing the NFL saying they're racist. Bill Belichick's involved. Probably Tom Brady also. His owner was trying to get him to lose games. Kitty, so much is happening. And we got Ron here to break it down. He's been very vocal on this issue. And I'm excited for you to hear him. Also, first time. So I just like getting first timers on the show. If we had a mug, we'd send it to him. But I broke all the mugs. I'm done caring about the NFL until next season. I'll be honest. This news and stuff, it, it yeah, it's mind-boggling. Also on the show today, Zachary Sweets. He is running for Jackson County Legislator in the second at-large district. We go way back. He's a homie of mine from Mizzou, and he's a good dude. I can pretend to be impartial when I have certain candidates on the show, but that would be a lie to you, and I would never lie to the KC Morning host. So, yeah, he's my homie. You should vote for him, and you're going to find out why here very, very soon. Kitty, before we get to all that, though, I want to play this for you out of South Carolina. A lady got rejected for her job because her voicemail greeting was a little too jokey. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nye, and I'm back with another banging banger. 
I'm sorry, I could have answered the phone. Please leave your name, number. Yeah, you know all that. Gail, what happened? Gail, ah. Uh. Yes, Miss Jones. I recommend if you apply for a job and you expect somebody to call you, that you have a more appropriate uh, response on your uh, voicemail. So uh, thank you for applying, and no need to give us a call back here at Harris Theater. Thank you, man. Bye. Come on, man. You ain't got to be mean about it. Yeah, that, that sucks. Yours is pretty bad. What do you mean Yours bad? drives me nuts. I swear, every single time I hear the start of it, my blood boils. Hey, it's Hartzell. What are you doing? You know I don't check these things. You have my number. What are you doing? Text me. Goodbye. What's the problem with that? I'm just simply... I hate it. a suggestion. I'm saying if you really... What are you doing? You have my number. Yeah, that's why I'm calling, biatch. Everyone who's heard my voicemail is a big fan of my voicemail, so... I don't love it. It irritates me. When I have to listen to it and wait for the end for that stupid final beep, and you say, goodbye. Well, then maybe just don't need me, then. How about that, world? Just don't need me. If you think you need me, you don't need me. I think I got rid of my voicemail. I don't think I have one. I want to get one of those, like, celebrities to do my voicemail for me. Yeah. That would be super cool. Yeah. I should have had Tom Kane do yeah. that. He did the Morgan yeah. Freeman. Mm-hmm. He did the Yoda for me, but he... Ah, I was caught slipping. Up next, Ron, the show, Hughley, Zachary, Sweets, Kitty. Is it a good day to be a Kansas Cityan? It's a great day. I can't think of a greater day, to be honest with you. Doesn't exist. My name's Hart, so that's Kitty. We'll see you in the morning. I gotta go to class. But I, you better get to class, girl. Oof. You late. Finally, the Rock has come back to Kansas City. They love the Rock in KC. The KC Morning Show. Y'all have heard this man on your Kansas City airwaves, the sports side of your Kansas City airwaves. And the fact that he is no longer in Kansas City, I think, is a goddamn travesty. That's not Ron's fault, because he is great. Ron, the show, hugely over at Sports Radio 610 in Houston, formerly over of uh, 610 here in Kansas City. Ron, I'm proud of you. I love you, brother. And I want you on this show to break down, I think, the game changer that is, well, the potential game changer that is Brian Flores in the NFL. Former Dolphins coach Brian Flores is speaking out today after filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL. Flores is listed as a plaintiff, but claims to act on behalf of more than 40 black coaches. At the heart of the case is a text message about the New York Giants job. This is a text message from Patriots coach Bill Belichick congratulating Brian on getting the Giants head coaching job. Problem was, the text was sent three days before Brian Flores even interviewed. Belichick admitted he thought he was texting Brian Dable who later became the coach. How did that make you feel knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might have already been made? Uh, It was a range of emotions. Uh, Humiliation, uh, uh, disbelief, um, uh, anger. The Giants responded with, the fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach, end quote. The Giants did interview a diverse group of candidates and met qualifications for the Rooney Rule, a 2003 NFL rule saying that teams must interview at least one minority candidate. We didn't have to file a lawsuit for for the world to know that there's a problem from a, from a hiring standpoint in regards to minority coaches in the National Football League. The numbers speak for themselves. Right. Uh, we filed the lawsuit um, so that we could create some change, um, and that's important to me. 
Ron, let me hear you preach. Well, first off, before we get into this, finally, as The Rock would say, <laughs> finally, the show has been allowed to come on this morning show that you have deprived me from, mm -hmm. that you have purposely held me back from. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why, Hartzell. I don't know what the problem is, but finally, I am here. And uh, no, man, it's, it's good to be back talking to you. We used to, in the bowels of uh, of uh, intercom, have our conversations Woo. and on and off air. We'd have a good time. But no, man, it's good to, to chat with you. But no, man, this uh, this is, a, this is I think you put it correctly, a game changer. And um, to me right now, Brian Flores is, um, uh, I, you know, you don't like to use this term, you know, lightly, but I, I, I think when you look at everything that he has risked, everything that he has potentially put on the line at 40 years old, which is very, very young in the, in the coaching world, like that you're just starting at your job. I mean, Eric Bieniemy's 52 and he, and he's, mm. he's still not reached his mm. point yet. He's 40 years old. Um, and he is essentially, uh, has to look at what happened to Colin Kaepernick and think to himself, me taking a stand like this could, could virtually end my dream in my career in what I have worked hard to do, which is to be a head coach and to be a coach in the national football league, which he achieved and he was successful doing. Um, so I, I think the word I would use is hero to describe what he has done and, and what he is doing right now, because uh, he could be throwing that in the trash. It's how he supports his family. It's his dream. Um, and I, I think it is completely on the table. And if we look at what happened with Colin Kaepernick, there is a precedent where someone is a disruptor. And I love it. I love that he walked in and said, I'm going I'm going to mess up the closet. I'm going I'm going to mess up the, the, the papers that are on the desk that are put together nicely. I'm going to flip these vanilla folders and, and cause a disruption in here because sometimes in many cases in this history, especially in this subject matter of race inequality a disruption is forced and is needed uh to have happen and and i think it's huge that he is doing that and like i said i think it's completely on the table that his career can go the way that colin kaepernick's did and that he never is in football again but as he said he understands that and if there's change that can be made um he you know this will be well worth it and uh, so I tip my cap and salute to him and he motivated, he motivates me. It's not just in football in our business. If we can be, you know, straight up a hundred right now in our mm -hmm. business, a similar thing happens to where you have to, you have to fit in a box or you have to be palatable for, let's just be honest, white folks who are listening in certain things and you can't feel to be yourself. And boy, you, you just need a disruption for, for those things to change and man i i think what brian flores is doing and putting all the stuff out on the table i mean if you look at everything in this so much so some of it let's just be honest if you look at it from a legal standpoint it's going to be hard for him to get unless he has more proof like him calling out the owner who is categorically denying it but him calling out the dolphins owner saying that he offered him a hundred thousand per uh, per loss to throw games um, and, and try to force him into tampering against the tampering rules. And, 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 and then the thing with the Broncos saying they showed up, seemed to be uh, having hungover and, and late to things. 
all of this, some of this stuff, you know, in court, it's going to be hard to prove. Right. But putting it all out there is amazing and forcing people to be honest, because now the suit he can he can file. That means anybody can jump on it. So many people are going to come out and share their same stories, which we're already hearing other black coaches sharing their same stories of these sham interviews and mistreatment. Can you imagine You know how disrespectful that is to come? Like I said, you may not be able to prove this with the Broncos, but to roll into an interview late and appear to be disheveled, because I believe every word he said. Absolutely. And p- appear to be like, that's so disrespectful. You're letting me know you don't, you're not taking this serious. Right. And, and I just, I, I love that he put all of this stuff out on the table and forced it to be known that these hidden things in the background and then the back doors of the NFL are now all brought to light and he won't be alone. I think other people, Hartzell, will bring more stories to light. Well, and that's why I think that class action suit is so huge. It's so important. Yep. And that's why I feel like I feel like this may be different because everything seems to me like they know what they're doing. To launch this on the first day of Black History Month, my man has all the receipts. And you got to think that they got even more that will eventually be unveiled. We're talking real right now, Ron. I mean, you were very hopeful in that last answer. But let's just let's just be blunt. This man's never coaching in the NFL again. I mean, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it at all. I, I will say, uh, to me, as I look at it, and you, immediately you think the blackballing, you look at Kaepernick, and you see he never, he never got into a, a, a got into a space to get back on the field. Um, I will say, at least um, optics wise, the league is in a different spot than it was then. I don't know if if the if the people are different, but optics wise, you know. They uh, they're at least writing in racism in the end zones. They're at <laughs> least like they're uh, they've acknowledged it. Roger Goodell has come out, and I and I'll be fair. Roger Goodell and the NFL and their front office, like the NFL offices, are very diverse with minorities and women. So they kind of walk the walk from that standpoint, you know. But we're in a space now where they're acknowledging George Floyd as racism. The NFL never. They they hell. Roger Goodell came out and said that. We were wrong and Kaepernick was right. I never got him back on the field. So there is a hope that maybe we're in a different climate. But I, I, I would imagine a guy who would come out and be willing to speak of secrets uh, that are that are being held in the back end, secrets of sham interviews, uh, bringing out private text messages of Bill Belichick as proof and and conversations of tampering and conversations of throwing games, which I think other people have. I think, I think that is going to be a hard thing for people to want to bring him back into the game. So yes, I, I, I'm, I would lean towards that. He won't be in the game, but it seems to me that he has at least made some sort of peace with that. It understands that that is, that could be, you know, a consequence to this, but Hopefully there is some semblance of change in this and the Rooney rule to me is disbanded. There's no tweaking. There's there's nothing that can be done with it. Um, They're just they're just going to continue to find ways. It's ridiculous already. You got to look yourself in the mirror that somebody's got to do something to incentivize you to interview people or somebody's got to put quotas in for you to interview 
uh, interview people fairly. Uh, so, I, you know, when you when you when you look at that, you know, there could be some changes there. If we look at the Rooney Rule that was instituted in 2003, uh, there have been 129 vacancies in that time frame. And in that time frame, it's only been filled by 15 black people. That's now. impossible. Come on now. I mean, that's impossible. The league is 70% black, and it has been for 30 years, since the 90s. And to think that many of the people who coach in that league are guys who pl who played collegiately or professionally. And to think that we would be arrived to 15 out of a buck 29 would only be black. It would be like if uh, if if in hockey – all the coaches were black except for three. Like, you know, that, that would be insane. That would even make sense. How in the hell could 15 or 25 black guys be the coach in the NHL when they ain't, when they only hold up five to 10% of the league. So it's just the numbers. And a, that's, and, and that's the problem is that facts only. You cannot tell me what I'm seeing yeah. is a lie. Cause I'm looking at it straight in the face. I mean, where do we go from here? You mentioned Eric Bieniemy. I didn't realize he's in his fifties. How much longer is his window gonna be? I mean, you can't keep telling me that all these folks, all of our folks are just that bad at interviewing. Cause that's bullshit. And I know it is. I mean, when you take a look at it, this is going to jump even further. Uh, where I am at Houston and the team I cover, the Texans, um, what it all, what all signs point to, what they're about to do, they're about to have one of the greatest, uh, the greatest line cutting uh, from a white person that I may have ever seen in American history. Uh, they're going to have what it looks to is they're going to hire a coach. And by the way, Brian Flores is a finalist uh, for the Houston Texans job. They're going to potentially, as all signs would uh, point to, hire a coach who's never coached before. Now, Josh McCown uh, retired from football last year, was a backup quarterback. He's never coached uh, at any level except for he's been a volunteer high school coach at his son's high school. Uh, but he's never been a coach, and he is, he is the front runner to get the head coaching job for the Houston Texans. So when that, when that tips off, followed with all of this, and you think to yourself, how – how good does his interview have to be? How good? I love this. My favorite phrase, knock it out of the park. How, how much knocking out of the park could he do to make up for the fact that he's never done the profession before and that he would do it at the highest level to then match up? How bad would Eric Bieniemy's interviews have to be when you combine his resume and everything that he's accomplished and everything that we cite to how new coaches are brought in, everything that goes with it. You mentioned some of it. He's an offensive minded coach. He's coached. He's a former player. He's been in locker rooms, everything. He's being vouched by some of the best people in the, in the world. The two guys that coached his same position that got head coaching jobs before him made it to the playoffs multiple times. And one of them won a Super Bowl. The coaching tree comes from all of it. Like you would think that he has to come in an hour late, that he has to be coming in, offering shots and coming in and saying, excuse my friends, what's up? Like you would think that's what he's coming into these interviews saying. Like you would think that's what he's doing. He's coming in and draws and a wife beater and a blunt. <laughs> like that's how I would imagine how bad his interviews have to be. For him not to get a job, and then when you think somebody's never coached, how great his like it doesn't it doesn't match up. So you can't like they're not the the best qualified. It's not like they're hiring the best qualified all the time because there's no one more qualified than Eric Bieniemy right now, except Brian Flores. 
who has been a coach before and for the for the first time in 18 years led the Miami Dolphins to back-to-back winning seasons and now he can't get a job or he can't even get true interviews uh so it's it's it is a heck of a situation it's a problem the excuses there's so many that I get every day from from listeners uh that range from well how many black coaches would satisfy you or have you ever just thought maybe they're not just the best guys for the job? I just thought they're, they're all, they're all. Could you think maybe that, maybe that Eric is just not wanting to leave and he's waiting for Andy Reid to leave. Yeah. That's why he keeps taking interviews. So, I mean, it's just the, the, the excuses that people and the mental gymnastics that people try to create in their heads to make this make sense is it's just folks telling on themselves all the time. Ron, the show, Hughley, you can get him over at Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And and Ron, what are you working on? What you got going on? You know, we can stream anywhere now. Folks going to want to hear right. my man back on the airwaves. So, Ron, tell these folks about uh, the show. Yeah, man, I'm a Clint Sterner in the show here in Houston, uh, afternoon drive from 2 to 6 every day. You can check us out on the Odyssey app. You can follow me at Real Ron the Show on Twitter or Ronnie H Show on Instagram, uh, and, and you can see a, a lot of episodes. You can also go to uh, ronthenshow.com. You can check out my website as well. Got stuff going on there. Uh, do some stuff for uh, some national stuff for CBS Sports Radio. Uh, check me out there uh, on the weekends and uh, do some podcasting stuff for Arrowhead, Arrowhead Pride. Still do stuff with the Chiefs. So we have, uh, have a lot of fun trying to grind and trying to keep myself out there. I do want to say one last thing on this. Absolutely. Yeah. There's one thing that I disagree with Brian Flores on and and man I think it may be just in the place and in the space I am because this this to me is something that I internalize and impact in my own career and in my own field when he said what do you think can help this change and his response was changing the hearts and minds of the owners and the people in leadership I disagree with him there um I I, I know it's not good, uh, and, and I would hope and pray that I get to a better place, but I have completely given up on changing the hearts and mind. I don't believe that's possible. I think we'll be waiting another 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years if we are crossing our fingers and changing the hearts of minds of the elite and rich white folks in this country who have power. To me, I think we we have to get to a place where we're starting to see minorities and people of color do now it's not hoping and and crossing our fingers that the hearts and minds change it is we got to go take it and we got to go do it and you can see it all examples people like Issa Rae who's not waiting around and she's going to go take it people like Donald Glover who are going to go take it Uh, people all around this uh this country in every field and every walk of life going to go take it so um I disagree there the hearts and minds, I've given up on that. Those, those people aren't going to change. You just got to take it. And maybe changing, forcing some of these owners to have to sell their teams and get minorities in those spaces are the way that it can change. Because I don't see hearts and minds of those people change. That's not just in football. That's in a lot of industries, including the one that we are in. Yep, you got to go take it. Ron, the show, Hughley, I'm not lying when I say this. I'm not fluffing you, Ron. You are one of the best in the business at what you do. For folks that hear you now, they can say they heard you back when because the sky is the limit, brother. You're going to be, you're national in just a matter of moments. It's whenever you want to be. I appreciate that, Doug. Until next time, brother. Yes, sir. I've been low.
I've been I've been sold all my lies I've got nothing left to pay I've got nothing left to say I'm a black man in a white world I'm a black man in a white world I'm a black man in a white girl I'm a black man in a white I'm in love But I'm still sad I found peace But I'm not glad All my nights And all my days I've been trying Wrong I'm a black man in a white world 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 I feel like I've been here before I feel that knocking on my door I feel like I've been here before I feel that knocking on my door And I've lost everything I had I'm a black man in a white world. 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 I've been low and I've been high. I've been so. that I found is as true as the sunrise. It's that I like being on there with hot sauce. The KC Morning Show.
For the first time on your KC Morning Show, man, we go way back, don't we? It's crazy. Like, time time flies, especially when you add a pandemic. It feels like an eternity ago, but we actually went to college together, ladies and gentlemen. This man right here, Zachary Sweets, he is running for Jackson County Legislator, second at-large district, and we'll break all that down for us in just a bit. His resume is long. It's a hell of a credentials list. He's a former chief of staff, Missouri State House. He is the treasurer of the Streetcar Committee, the TD. The executive committee for the Kansas City chapter, the NAACP. Zach, am I am I missing anything? Not not of any importance. <laughs> uh, there is there is an I instead of a Y at Zachary, but you know we we can <laughs> we can talk about our decisions by our parents another day. College, I introduced myself as a Ham hey, Zach, and uh, they go no no no, this is a Sweets crowd. So when you have a last <laughs> yep. name like Sweets. You know, Zach is incidental to to your preference. <laughs> now, now in KC, my brother, you're running for you're running for elected office. I've had so many of the young homies on the show for the longest time. As I was doing this show, I would say it's the new voices of Kansas City, but that's really not true. It's just the voices of Kansas City. It's our turn. So, Zach, why are you doing this? Why is the time now? Man, I grew up in South Suburbs, Kansas City. I'll just say real quick that I, I left, went to Mizzou, and uh, came back to Kansas City. And uh, it was a whole nother city. It, it's like they, a whole nother city was laid on top of the the streets that I was familiar with. So I really had to do some some learning. But in that entire arc, I'm skipping a lot. Um, a lot has changed, right? Um, and when we're looking at why I'm running, first of all, let me say that now is the right time. We're going to have four of the nine seats up where we're going to have a brand new person in the Jackson County legislature. So that has an opportunity, and that's due to retirement, seeking other office, and so on. But that presents a unique opportunity. But then you add on top of that, this COVID situation has stressed our governmental systems um, in such a way that I think everyone can now see that that old adage that all politics is local is still very true. Um, and when we're talking about a new generation of leadership, um, you know, crisis presents opportunities and, but crisis also presents um, leaders, people that step up and they don't have to be elected leaders. We've seen a lot of these leaders throughout the pandemic um, in different fields, in particular the healthcare field. Right. Um, But the decisions that uh, our leaders are making at the local level have well life and death decisions here. And so that's that's kind of where I look at my personal experience and just growing up in poverty uh, and the razor's edge thin of, you know, it breaking one way and not having a home and food and whatnot. I mean, there's a lot of working poor in the state of Missouri and especially in Jackson County. Jackson County's poverty percentage is three percentage points higher than the national average. Um, and, and that's, that is something I think that needs to be a goal of the next legislature is to find a way to re- to bring that down. Obviously we want to be below, but bring it down to at the very least meet the national average. I took that experience of seeing how, you know, working poor folks exist in this country, in this state to Jeff city, where I learned the legislative process, the governmental process of our state government and how that interacts back home. Um, and so for me, with both of those pieces, I come away from that with this perspective that we have to change the way that we look at government. Uh, and that's not a total rebuild. Uh, this isn't me saying, you know, we need a whole new structure, but we need to change the way that we approach it and really approach it as the people's investment. People are the shareholders. So what is our return? If you look at Jackson County government, um, 
you know, four hours or multiple trips to the Jackson County Courthouse to get your uh, property taxes paid <laughs> so you can then take it back to the DMV is just not something that um, that's not a return on my investment. And whenever we're in a world where I can do contactless payments over the Internet, but the county government doesn't necessarily have that full capability. So those those things that we're looking at, um, what can we do to bring government into the 21st century to truly meet people's needs? Um, there are things in the Jack County government that have just been moving along since the charter came together in 1970. Well, in 2022, I can tell you that government, that, uh, business operates very differently than it did in 1970. And so we need to update our, uh, our processes and our approach to government, at least at the local level. So we can actually, uh, make some big moves. If the Kansas city needs the region to be strong, the region as a whole. And that includes a lot of other counties, some on the Kansas side. But in particular, Kansas City needs Jackson County to be strong. And it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. Kansas City's strong, Jackson County can be strong. Jackson County is strong, Kansas City can, strong, can be strong. And if both of them are moving in, in, the, in, in a strong, yeah, strong, I love editing. But if both of them are moving in, in parallel and in stereo and concert, then then at the end of the day, we're going to see a better result. But uh, having a kind of government disconnected from the benefits of the region, um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't benefit anybody. So that's a long way of saying that I grew up without. Um, I know what know what people are experiencing today. Um, and my personal experience, my personal work experience has uniquely uniquely qualified me for an opportunity to uh, at least be a knowledgeable person in local government. Yeah, man, I'm looking at everything you've been doing. And we said it at the top of the interview, but like, and I was saying it almost tug in cheek, but no, like what you have been accomplishing already. It's, it's, it's insane, man. You've been doing so much. And I guess I'm curious, why did you come back? And why did you come back and hit the ground running so fast? I mean, you've been doing so much, but I'm sure you had offers and opportunities to go elsewhere, but you're here and you're running for office, which means you want to stay here for a little bit. So, yeah, why'd you come back? Kansas City, I always, growing up in the area, felt like the region was underappreciated uh, nationally, re uh, regionally, even within the Midwest. Um, and that's just because I'm from the Midwest and I have a chip on my shoulder. I think that's just how we, how we operate to an extent. But with that said... Um, that doesn't mean that we still can't do more. Uh, I, I mentioned coming back to Kansas City and having a brand new city laid on top of what I already knew. That's true. Um, and we're seeing a lot of, I mean, me being on the streetcar, uh, transportation development district board, uh, just the existence of the streetcar and the extension um, is evidence of that. Kansas City is in a state of becoming, if you will. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think those who know that have already started coming to Kansas City for that opportunity, be that job, be that opportunity to build, um, you know, business. But I wanted to come back to Kansas City because it's fertile ground to also do good government work and build the building blocks that we'll need for that next step. We're never going to become the regional hub 
that we want to become. If you look at all the regional planning and, and long-term planning, folks are looking towards Kansas City being a regional hub, be that for moving goods or even just having certain services here. We can't get there if we're still running on old systems. And that's kind of what, we, what we're what we doing. I looked around and I looked at pe- people who were going to Chicago, LA, Atlanta, um, of course, New York. And those are great places. Love to visit. I wouldn't mind living there if I could afford it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, all those things, are, all those places are well established. I know they're going to grow in their own way, but Kansas City, it's time for its revitalization. St. Louis kind of went through it, right? They had their peak around early 1900s World's Fair. I forget what, what year it was. But the city hasn't really boomed again since. Now, people in St. Louis will definitely disagree with me on that. <laughs> but Kansas City hasn't had a boom like that. And I think we're getting ready for that. And it's just fertile ground here in Kansas City. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, the website and just knowing you as a person, you're someone that wants to to build some progressive change. I feel like we can tap into that in Kansas City. Contrary to popular opinion, I think we can. You, in fact, yeah. you, in fact, were involved in uh, right to work, getting rid of, of right to work. And that, to me, shows that we can do some progressive change in Missouri and Kansas City. We expanded Medicaid. You were in the trenches in those fights. Break that down. It seems like it was yesterday, but it was what, back in 2018? Yeah, 2018. And I'll just go back. Really, you were describing status quo, right? I had somebody, uh, I was fortunate enough, my superintendent growing up would always say there is no such thing as status quo that's almost how every like address meeting that he would start off just to remind everybody and so i've really really just hung on to that there's no such thing as status quo and i think that's a lesson we can learn in kansas city but coming back you know it was right to work that brought me back to kansas city i saw the difference in what union pay does in people's lives when my father was in the home, he was a part of the labor union, and that was the best we ever was. When he was no longer a part of the family and that union, hey, you know, employment wasn't a part of the household, I saw that. Like, it was like a light switch on and off. And so I saw what that means for people's lives. But it goes deeper than right to work. I was responsible for getting people on the door. So if you had somebody knock on your door talking about um, why you should not support um, the amendment for right to work, you're welcome. <laughs> so I, <laughs> that was you, huh? That, that wasn't directly me, but my team definitely got people on the doors. I, I wish I could remember. I know we hit over a million doors, and that was on our side of the state. I was responsible from the western half of Missouri and central Missouri. And um, we, we were going across party lines. You were talking about progressive movements and everything, and the, the labor movement has for a long time been uh, working in tandem with the progressive movement. But I think in large part, what uh, my I bring up my life experience because um, it, it's it's a progressive movement in terms of not ideology, but how are we really taking care of people? Mm-hmm. How are we getting people to their you know creating fertile ground for that next step? I honestly think that union jobs are a great way to make that possible. So I actually, if you indulge me for a second, my first session in Jeff City. We were down there. Jay Nixon was still the governor and the Republicans in the state Senate pushed through right to work legislation that they believed that even if Nixon were to veto, that they could maybe have a chance to override the veto. They couldn't. They didn't have the numbers even whenever they thought they could. But they broke the culture of the Senate that day after they told senators is a procedure called previous question. I know I'm getting too in the weeds, but essentially whenever you end debate and say no one can talk, we're going to vote. You're telling another senator, i.e. you're telling another region of the state that they can't talk anymore. They don't have a voice 
and you're just going to shut up and vote. And that just broke the entire Senate. That's the forces that we're looking at when we're looking at our government on the local and state level is they're willing to subvert norms or at least ways that we have agreed to work with each other to get what they want. And so when it made it to the ballot, I was really gung-ho. I remember that day. I remember being... I remember the difference in having union income in the household, and I remember that day as kind of my fuel. And we met people who were on the conservative side, the liberal side, the Democratic side, the Republican side. And what rang true at the end of the day was people are paramount. These people were voting for their paychecks. These people were voting for their insurance. And they were voting for their neighbors, their cousins, their brothers who are dependent on competitive wages. That's just like the marquee example of how we can take care of people is to be intentional about the environment we're creating for people to survive. Because that's what we're doing at the end of the day, right? We're all just trying to survive. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, I think government shouldn't be there to choose winners and losers, but instead should be there to help create fertile ground. And to me, something like right to work or not expanding Medicaid doesn't create fertile ground in the state of Missouri. And I think we've seen that. So you are running for Jackson County Legislator, second district at large. I know at large means everybody in the county votes. Day one, what's Zach Sweets going to be yeah. you know, proposing at the legislator? I actually really wanted to run for that large because I, I, I like the regional aspect. I talked about Jackson County as a region needing to be strong uh, to contribute. Part of my work with uh, the state senate, uh, coming home with We Are Missouri uh, Against Right to Work and my time as the Missouri uh, Public Policy Director at the Missouri Chamber, I got to see how much Jackson County was engaged in a lot of these movements and conversations. And uh, I'll just say that, that they're not very, I'll just say that the, the county is not always present. And um, that that's really unfortunate. So I run for at large. I hopefully will become a part of the legislature. My first thing is to be present throughout the, uh, the community. Um, and, and what, what that means is just to, to know what's going on. Um, you know, have, you have cities in Jackson County that want to expand roads so they can create new commercial and industrial districts that create jobs, building roads and diverting roads is expensive. And I'm not saying the county is going to dole out money, but the county isn't even aware of some of these cities' goals. And so how can the county contribute to creating that fertile ground? The other side of it I mentioned earlier is to bring the county government into the 21st century. People can think back for decades, headlines about corruption at Jackson County. Um, and and I, with the last executive having charges brought up and going to jail. This is not new. I remember being a child and seeing these headlines, right? You know, corruption in Jackson. I didn't know what that was, but it, but it was something that we all knew was happening. So the best way to do to change that culture is to make it more transparent, make it more accessible, not just to the people that have to come and engage with it as part of their business, but for, for people that don't think about government until they need it or they have to engage with it. Make that accessible, transparent, and easy. Um, I, I mentioned the payment processes that, uh, you know, is I talked about on my podcast, the Zach Sweets podcast, the ZSP. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. That was smooth. Um, that was smooth. <laughs> You're getting good at this. A little bit of practice. I've been listening to your show. You know, I'm taking notes. I'm oh, taking wow. Notes. He's two for two, ladies and gentlemen. Keep Stop it some <laughs> more, Zach Sweets. <laughs> but I talked about on my show, my experience of trying to pay my, my property taxes, something that we all have to do in the county. And that was 
a tail. If I wasn't able to remain persistent, that would not have gotten done. Therein leads to impacts on someone's day-to-day life. That could have, like, I can buy a new pair of house slippers right now online easier than it took me to pay my property taxes. That's that's something that we can't have happen in this time where we're talking about virtual and digital everything, right? Really just pulling the county into the 21st century and create and creating that transparency is a big part of the work that I want to do, really updating the county. It is in desperate needs, need of its procedural and functional updating. Now, some of this stuff, I'll say, we'll have the, the legislature will have to work with the executive. You know, that's why we have different branches of government. But that still needs to be a goal of the legislature is to update everywhere. Just look around. What were we doing in 1970 that we're still doing? Okay, probably about 80% of our work. Okay, so what does that new progressive creating that fertile ground form of Jackson County government look like? But the other side is just to be present uh, and just for folks to know that the county is not only aware of what's going on. I mean, there's so many municipalities across this county, right? One joke that folks who are running for county government when they're talking about uh, getting their campaigns together is uh, they're going to have to educate people on what the county does uh, because people don't don't know, don't think about, don't care about the county until it does something that they do care about. You said that that day that everything kind of changed in the Missouri Senate. You know, right now we got someone who's an actual insurrectionist who's going to be running against our county executive frank white and right now he looks like he's the front runner in the republican party to get the nomination he was at the capitol on january 6th 10 feet from the senate doors he said that himself so i guess all that being said you got to explain to folks why any of this is still worth it because man in this time when it feels like it's obviously a game but they've got us playing checkers and they're playing chess. It's almost like we're not even supposed to be in it. And that's the point. That's very much intentional. So how do you keep hope alive? How do you how do you keep us going? You know, I like to tell people that I'm a, a realistic optimist, right? And, and so I'm realistic about what we can achieve right now, but I'm optimistic about where we're getting to in our goal. And so I, I'll forever remain optimistic in that, uh, we can be a, pro- a part of this process. We can tear down some of the systematic patterns of oppression that really are keeping us on the sidelines. The realistic part, and I think really the most encouraging part is, y'all, this takes work. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is possibly somewhere in our generation that we're getting wrong. Oh, I got to put up a nice social media campaign with good graphics and pictures and be engaging. That is absolutely part of part of it, social media and everything. But, you know, one thing I don't want to see is a candidate who is out doing things, getting small accomplishments. And I say small, I mean, Medicaid expansion is an accomplishment, but having small accomplishments and saying, look what I did for people. I'm great. You should elect me. That's not what this is. <laughs> um and I don't come to this with that attitude. I have a perspective, I have knowledge, and I have enough humility to say, I still need to learn more. Will you give me that opportunity to learn more? What I'm trying to say is you bump into good people. We ran into some great people at Mizzou. I met you at Mizzou. <laughs> we ended up making it all the way back here. We sang um, together at one point. Let's just go ahead and tell these folks. We had a couple I, okay, cocktails, I was, I and we sang. We sang. It was And it was excellent, Zach. I just want people to know it was amazing. And we will never well, ever show that video. I was I was gonna say hard. So we'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have your telling of the story uh, because <laughs> I somebody sent the the audio. Yeah, like, no, it's out there. It weeks exists. later, uh-huh. we forgot that that it was recorded, <laughs> but uh, it it sounded. It did sound. <laughs> um, but the reason to be optimistic is that, like I said earlier, um, 
out of crisis creates opportunity and you see incredible leadership come out of these crises if you just look back in history. And I, I think it's our time, our generation is at the right time in our personal lives by and large, but also we've, we've, we've learned something. We're in that stage where we've learned something. We're not kids anymore. And our, and our perspective on how a new century can be shaped, should be shaped, is very vital and important. And if anybody wants to participate in this election, um, this election for the Jackson County Legislature, it runs with all the other elections that you're going to have. You're going to have a bunch of choices in Missouri from U.S. Senate on down. The last day to register to vote for the August primary is July 6th. So make sure that you, your friend, your auntie, your mom and them all get registered by July 6th to participate in the Jackson County August primary. And you can follow my campaign at sweetsforjackson.com. Right now, landing page, you know, filing's not for a couple more days, but that's where you can find all my information as we continue to upload it throughout the campaign. Again, important date is July 6th. Get registered to vote. I'm going to be uh, reminding folks pushing that a lot in my campaign, because at the end of the day, if I'm not elected, we still need people to vote. Zach Sweets running for Jackson County Legislator, 2nd District at large, like Zach said, July 6th. Deadline to get registered to vote. Zach, you're going to be on this show a bunch more before then, yeah? Absolutely. As long as you uh, check out SweetsForJackson.com. I'm on and, the site right uh, now, Zach. How dare you? Know? How dare you not think I did my due diligence <laughs> for this interview with candidate, also one of the homies who's also my neighbor? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's a snowy day. Sorry, I couldn't make it over. <laughs> That's all right. Breakfast on you next time, yeah? <laughs> Fair enough. Going straight to one place, right to Kansas City. The KC Morning Show. You're listening to the KC Morning Show.